Happy Sabbath. I know many of our church members are out, out of town, even out of country throughout this weekend. But I welcome all of you, church members and visitors who come to worship our God. So may the Lord bless you through the, the word of life. Thank you, Jiyoung. All right, let's, um, let's begin with uh, <clears throat> reading the verses from the, one of your favorite uh, chapters in the Bible, the First Corinthians chapter 13. So let me read uh, the, the first part of the chapter. <clears throat> Listen carefully. If I speak in the tongues of man or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boost, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The text verse today <clears throat> for this sermon, I picked from the first Timothy, chapter one, verse five. It says, like Ji Young uh, read, the goal of this command is love, which comes a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul puts the definition on the ultimate purpose of gospel as love. Jesus also summarized the Old Testament as love. Love the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What are the values that people put the most value on in this world. In the present world, knowledge, economy, and freedom are considered as the most valuable. Maxims will often strongly support this idea, such as knowledge is, knowledge is power. The prophet Daniel also said the knowledge should be increased as time goes by. How about 
economy. There is no door that cannot be opened with money. To make a friend your enemy, lend your money. These are basically telling us money can do anything. And there is another word about the freedom. Give us liberty, freedom, right? Give us, give me liberty or give me death. People are willing to take their lives for their freedom. Recently, as you know, more than a million Hong Kong residents have been demonstrating for their freedom. This word will always teach and people will always learn, learn the knowledge of how to earn more money and how to practice a better freedom. But what about love? Schools, teaches, schools teach knowledge, but they don't teach love. Loving others is not a qualification for admission or graduation. Advocating love is not a qualification for employment in any company. No persons demonstrate, demonstrates for, for love in any countries. The word doesn't value love. Paul listed out <clears throat> the most valuable things of the time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Tongues, considered as an angel's language back then. Gift of prophecy, knowledge, faith, act of relief, dedicated life, and so on. Yet, Everything we value in the world itself is partial, temporary, and incomplete. Paul compared knowledge to a child and love to a grown man. Paul confessed he put the ways of childhood behind him and even considered them as garbage. First Corinthians Chapter 13 teaches us a clear purpose in life. When love is lost, it says everything else is childish, temporary, partial, and incomplete. Paul tells us not to hang our lives on knowledge, since knowledge is partial, while love is complete. Human history has built up knowledge and valued it. The problem of the early church, Christian church, in Paul's days were caused by those who had worldly knowledge. Paul points out the limits of knowledge and highlights the need for love. He knows that the knowledge without love is dangerous. Today's world is still controlled by imperfect, imperfect and childlike knowledge. The more knowledge one has, the more proud one is. It means knowledge puffs up while 
love builds up. Love, love builds up virtue. Knowledge puffs up pride. Paul says, we, we all possess knowledge. However, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. It is only, it is only love that makes incomplete, incom, incomplete knowledge valuable. Now, let's think about freedom now. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Listen carefully and answer it. What would you choose between freedom restrained by love and love restrained by freedom? Which one would you choose? Freedom restrained by love, love restrained by freedom. I know it's, it is, it's not easy to answer this question. I believe, I think, I think many of you do not want to sacrifice your freedom for anything. You would rather, you would rather want to suppress love for your freedom. Before you answer this question, you should know that freedom and love are interlocked, interlocked together. We must set limits on freedom we possess this and enjoy in order not to infringe, infringe on the freedom of others. In other words, you, you can give more freedom to others by limiting more of your freedom. The limits are set by the size of love you have toward them. The bigger your love is, the smaller your freedom is. That's how love and freedom are interlocked. Freedom is restrained by love. I'm free. I'm free to use my money and my time. You feel like the same, right? But I, but I limit my freedom to take care of others in need, to take care of the weak, to take the need of community into account. I'm free to enjoy a luxury vacation with the money I earned, but, I, but I'm willing to control my freedom um, by love for others. I can go on vacation five times a year, but I will only go three times a year. I'd like to limit my freedom for love. I can make $30,000 luxury trip, but I will limit it to a $3,000 frugal trip. This is how we practice love. Love gives the great ability to control freedom. It makes us consider the poor, the sick, and the people who have no affordability. When freedom is controlled by love, it makes all men happy. 
not just one person who is yourself. I know the idea of limiting freedom is against the individualism of today, but listen to what Paul says. To those under the law, First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 and 22, 20 and 22, it says, Paul says, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Let's talk about economy now. Economy may be valued the most by the modern society. One economist <clears throat> said an insightful uh, the phrases. I, it's, it's very, it, I think it's insightful. He says, to save the money, to save the economy, you must save your love. You, are you following me? To save the economy, you must save your love. You must suppress, we must suppress our love for a better economy, for more money. Because love will not pay the bill. Love will not give a better food on the day, dining table, dinner table. Love will not provide a great vacation. We must control our loving for money. In this world we live, love is shunned by knowledge, inferior to freedom and pushed it away by the economy. But the word of truth sets up totally different value system. It points out that everything is partial and incomplete without love. Anything is nothing without love. I'm nothing without love. I gain nothing without love. Everything has to exist in order to reach love. Love makes everything com complete and eternal. The Bible says love is the greatest, the highest, and ultimate value among all. Then now, how can we love God and each other? That's the question. Lingering in us all the time. Attraction between a man and woman is a chemical reaction caused by uh, sex hormones. It is not the love I, I, I'm talking about today. Then what is love? How can you love God who is nothing? How can you love the one you hate? How can you love a person you want to stay away from as far as possible? Is it more possible to love your enemy as you practice your religion longer? Does it become easier to love your enemy by changing your lifestyle? Does it become more natural to love your enemy as you get older with more wisdom? Interestingly, from my experience, 
it becomes harder and harder as we get older. Can you automatically love your enemy as you are given a position in church like, um, like an elder or deacon? I have been an ordained pastor for more than 20 years, but I feel still so helpless on this matter. Lord, our Christ is, is giving us the answer. This very, very important and critical. In the book of New Luke, chapter 7, verse 47, listen very carefully. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But... Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. I want to highlight the last part. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You know the story of Mary Magdalene breaking the jar filled with perfume in front of Jesus. In that scene, Jesus stated that love has a profound correlation with the forgiveness of sin. The size of love depends on the size of the forgiveness we receive. This is love I want to tell you about today. Let me repeat. The size of love absolutely depends on the size of forgiveness we receive. If we understand the secret of love today, it impacts a lot. I'm sure of that. There is no concept, there is no concept of forgiveness of sin in any religion other than Christianity, as you know. Jesus paid the price for all sins on the cross. And in him, human beings were forgiven. The innocent person, innocent Jesus paid for the sin instead of the sin, sinners paying for their own sin. We call it forgiveness through atonement. That's the maybe uh, theological term, but we call it forgiveness through atonement. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that that saved a wretch like me. Do you really, do you truly recognize yourself as a wretch? This is the, the most frequent, you know, frequently sung by people in the world. How much do you consider yourself a sinner? Paul considered 
himself the foremost of sinners as he was reaching the end of his life. The closer he was to Jesus, the more he recognized his sinfulness. Your answer to the question, do you really truly recognize yourself as a wretch, as a sinner? Your answer to the question is very important. It is because Jesus identifies the forgiveness of sin as loving, that recognizing the size of your sinfulness decides the size of your love. When sin increased, grace increased all the more. As we know, more, as, in, as you know more, how simple we are. The more how simple we are, the more how we know how graceful the Father is. A group of teachers and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus one day. The woman had to be stoned to death according to the law of Moses. They wanted Jesus to get in trouble with that situation. They planned to catch Jesus in the trap no matter what. If Jesus told them not to, to, stone, to stone the woman, they would rather they would accuse him of being against the Roman government. If Jesus told them not to stone the, the woman, they, they would accuse him of being against the law of Moses. Instead of <clears throat> telling them what to do with the woman, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And he, and he said to them, from anyone who is without sin, throw a stone at her. Surprisingly, surprisingly, they began to go away one after another. And finally, the woman was left with Jesus alone. What happened to them while Jesus wrote was Jesus was riding you know, on the ground. What happened to them? The King James Version <clears throat> wrote, they were convicted. They were convicted by their own conscience. They were awakened by a sense of guilt that had never gotten them before. They were enlightened by the light of God's law under the influence of the Holy Spirit at the moment. People, people at all times raise their voice to bring the proof of guilt when they were accused of being wrong and bring a counter charge for false accusation. That's the normal normal reaction people shows. But they act strangely different and quietly went away from Jesus. What does that mean? They took up the, the, the sense of guilt but didn't take themselves into the forgiveness of sin. Judas Iscariot was another example of the same reaction to the sin of guilt. 
Sense of guilt is the only the first step toward forgiveness. To be forgiven, they had to kneel down with repentance before Jesus as the woman did. But they left. A gentleman who <clears throat> was an elder of uh, Adventist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, received a, call, a phone call from his daughter. His daughter was teaching uh, English um, at an Adventist university in Korea. She told her dad, Dad, I want to be where God wants me to be. How do you think? The father said, pray and make right decision. As soon as she hung up, the daughter packed up and flew to China to live, uh, live in a colony of Hansen's disease patients. It is said that there are around 600 colonies for lepers in China. With his belated awareness, the father tried his best to persuade the daughter to return. But her answer was always the same. Dad, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy to serve these people. Each time the father was embarrassed by stopping his daughter, serving the lepers, he was He was the one who had taught his daughter since childhood about the value of sacrificing self to become like Jesus. We have no hesitation <clears throat> to give applause and cheer when we see someone or someone's children to go the way of Jesus. But when our own children are taking the path of sacrifice to follow Jesus. We do not mind being a hypocrite and wanting to stop them. Despite the appeal from his inner being, this is not the right way. Am I doing right thing to, to, for my daughter? But he couldn't. He couldn't resist it. He couldn't help but flying to China to bring her daughter back. Hiding the reason why the father was going to China, the mother <clears throat> asked the daughter, can you plan a short trip for your dad to famous places like uh, the Great Wall or the, the Forbidden City? Because this is the first trip to China for your dad. The daughter answers like this, Mom, it's not the time to relax. When we get to heaven, we will be able to fully explore the beautiful universe we cannot, e we cannot even imagine now. When we come, when he come here, he will see and experience much, much better thing than the Great Wall. <clears throat> 
the father arrived where the daughter was, was serving, one of the colony. The father had no experience with the lepers before. On the first day of arrival, he couldn't go close to the lepers at all. He watched her daughter holding the lepers whose faces are distorted without arms, fingers, legs, or toes. He was shocked by witnessing the love of the volunteers who were sharing rooms and boarding with lepers. That night, he couldn't sleep. He cried and wept. As he realized he was selfish, hypocritical, and sick with a self-indulgent leprosy in himself, he was enlightened with a clear sense of guilt that he never has had before. On his knee, he repented with tears and asked forgiveness. On the very next day, do you know what happened to him? He was able to love the lepers. He could hold them with his arms and serve them with love along with his daughter. What made the dramatic change in him? What do you think the change came from? The forgiveness he experienced the night before. Yesterday he did not he did not he did not even want to go close to the lepers, but today he could hold them and love them. The size of the forgiveness he received determined the size of love he could show. The forgiveness was miraculous. Therefore, he was able to love them miraculously. You know, the end of this story, this true story ends up with the father left his daughter in China with gratitude. In conclusion, God is love. If we, are, if we are connected to God, the love of God is continuously supplied to us. But as I say, Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, our sin separates us from God who is the source of love. The relationship with God that is broken by sin can be reconnected by asking the forgiveness of sin. When we are reconnected to the source of love, we are able to love the person who we 
were never able to love. Being forgiven is the secret for love. That's the message from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he wants us to know the secret of love. Love is strongly, closely, essentially connected to the forgiveness. I pray our church, this church, I pray each one of you, I pray each individual, I pray each family can reach toward the greatest, the highest, and the ultimate thing by bringing and confessing our sins before the Lord. May God bless your life with this undescribable love. Let us pray. Father in heaven, there is no love in this world. We confess we are not able to love unless God's love is applied to us. Thank you for teaching us about the secret of love, that is forgiveness. This Sabbath, we bring our sin to you through the cross of Jesus so that we are forgiven and reconnected to you who are the source of love. May you bless this church to be like a heaven, sharing true love each other. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.